I'm Mike Breen talking with Walter Craig, who's the Canada Research Chair of Mathematical Analysis and its Applications at McMaster University in Hamilton, Ontario. Uh, and we're talking about rogue waves. And here we'll start out part two. I ask Walter, uh, rogue waves, they aren't tsunamis, right? No, it's a, quite a different thing. Tsunami is big. A rogue wave is just big. <laughs> a tsunami, when you see it in the middle of the ocean, you don't see it. You know, the one that was caused by the huge earthquake off Sumatra, middle of the ocean, it was measured 60 centimeters. That's up to your knee. It just is 60 centimeters, but with a wavelength of 100 kilometers. That's a lot of water. And because it's so long, actually it's linear. It's small and long. It behaves like a linear wave in the middle of the ocean. Because it's so long, it moves really fast, like 700 kilometers an hour. So it can cross the Indian Ocean, or the Bay of Bengal in this case, in a couple hours. And then when it gets to the shore, all that water in front has nowhere to go now. So instead of moving fast, it has to slow down. But the stuff behind it is still moving fast. So that's the pile-up impact on shore business, which is so deadly. Certainly in that case, it was very dangerous and deadly. If you have your boat and you know a tsunami is coming, take it out to sea because there it's going to just rock your boat a little bit. But it's, when it's near shore, that's a problem. So to make that in scale with a rogue wave, well, rogue wave was, let's see, I have, a, uh, I have the Wikipedia of the Dropner wave, which was one real measurement of a rogue wave on a North Sea platform, and it was taken on January 1st, 1995, middle of the night. And it measured, let's see, the wave field around it was about 12 meters. And then it is measured, and there's a little graph in Wikipedia, it's very interesting, and it was measured at 25.6 meters. So over double the height, double plus a bit the height of the surrounding wave field. And then how long was it? Oh, I would say less than several hundred meters. Not very big when you consider a tsunami 100 kilometers wavelength. Not that much water, although it looks big just a wave moving by and eventually, you know, I imagine after it hit that oil platform, it dispersed. And that was one of the first real measurements that people believed about rogue waves. Absolutely. There's a saying among these people, I haven't talked about math yet, so I'm going to talk about math in just a, one second, but there's a saying among these people that every rogue wave is 20 meters. And that's because the cargo masts on a cargo ship are these 20-meter masts that sit above the foredeck on a cargo ship, and the bridge sits behind them. And all these pictures of rogue waves, you know, the mate takes a picture of a boat, the boat smashing into a rogue wave, and the, the wave is over those cargo, cargo booms. And so you say 20 meters. <laughs> but, of course, the ship is not horizontal, the wave is not horizontal, you know, nothing's really calibrated. And this is really, this is a calibrated one. So now, how about a little bit of mathematics? Yeah, sure. Well, let's see. This is water in motion. And water in motion is described by the equations of fluid dynamics. And I would say that those would be something like either the Euler equations or the Navier-Stokes equations. For a big wave in the ocean, viscosity is not slowing it down very much at all. So it's neglected, and usually it's thought of as being a, a solution of Euler's equation. So it's a partial differential equation, which describes how a wave moves dynamically in time. Difficulty number one. Those differential equations are nonlinear. That is, the evolution of the amplitude in a way is related to nonlinear quantities, nonlinear functions of the amplitude, which tend to amplify things or steepen things. So it's mathematically immediately non-trivial from that fact. 
Secondly, usually you say where is x, and then you want to solve for x. That's what you, you know for, for you as a function of x. You want to find a solution for x fixed, but x is a point in the ocean, and that ocean is changing. So it's one of these problems which is known as a nonlinear free boundary problem. That is, the first thing you have to do is find where the ocean is. The second thing you do is have to find how the solution moves the ocean to the next instant in time. Those are challenging problems to address. Walter, is there anything you'd like to add? Uh, history of the problem. It's interesting to see that in Adamau's lectures at the Collège de France, in 1911, he talked about mathematics related that are related to the hydrodynamics of ocean waves and had some wise things to say that are in use today. So this is 1911. There's beautiful work of Zakharov from the 1960s, and a lot is understood, and a lot is not yet understood. So it's really an open and dynamic field, to make a pun. <laughs> so that's Walter Craig, who's the Canada Research Chair of Mathematical Analysis and its Applications in the Department of Mathematics and Statistics at McMaster University. Uh, Walter, thanks a lot.